Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joe Lupton. How you doing, Joe? Hey, I'm hanging in there, Bruce. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Have a <laughs> an interesting start to the year from a macroeconomic perspective to talk it's about. Like a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, as we had um, the January releases uh, this week, uh, continue on the roll that we got from uh, the employer report in the U.S. So. Yeah. Um, we don't have to go through all the numbers, but just give me your sense of how we should be reading these uh, reports and what what's the messages we should take. Well, I guess, I mean, as I said, it, it really does feel like a roller coaster, right? I mean, we came into the year, I would say the first couple of weeks of the year, we were feeling a lot better about Europe and China on the growth side. Uh, we were you know, seeing U.S. resilience. And then we are importantly seeing inflation come down rapidly in the U.S. core inflation over the three months had fallen to about 3% annualized. Uh, then things, we started to get a little nervous. Consumer was looking weak. Layoffs were picking up. Profits were kind of showing some concern. CapEx looked like it was maybe going to come to a stall. That had kind of recession fear concerns building. And then yeah. in the last couple of weeks, I think we pushed back hard against that. And then in the last couple of weeks, we were right to push back against it because it's been nothing but strength, right? The uh, you know, the consumer was in, it was incredibly strong, bounced back incredibly strong in the data we got this week. Europe and China continue to be strong. As you mentioned, we had that strong payrolls report. And then on top of all of that, that inflation slide down to 3% just got completely wiped out, largely because of revised seasonals, uh, which is kind of, you know, a bit flaky, but nonetheless, the seasonals are what they are. And then we just had a strong print. So overall, the three-month change in core inflation was 3%. It's now, as of January, running 4.5%, which is definitely plays into the camp of the kind of pause is not enough scenario that central banks are probably going to have to do more than not only what's in our forecast, and we even put in an extra hike at one point, I think maybe last week or- After um, the employment report, we did. Yeah, um, but maybe even may need to do more than that. And certainly- more than what markets were expecting. Markets are finally getting the message that Powell was giving and, and reading the tea leaves in these data. Yeah, so let's let's first, before we get into the central banks, just talk about the macro environment. I mean, I think it is important to, to realize, as you said, that the US data that was very strong in January came against the backdrop of pretty soft readings in November and December. So I do think there's a good reason to to fade both of those uh, dynamics and kind of smooth out and see an economy that is um, uh, not by any means boomy like the January releases suggest, but is also not really at feeling like it's a threat to go into recession. So we did ri raise actually our Q1 GDP forecast for the U.S. to to two percent. Yeah. Um, so I think that's you know that's the best way we can you know process that information. But then I think. What's interesting here is if we don't think the U.S. is in recession in the first part of the year and is doing okay, um, what does that mean for the inflation process, uh, and how should we read the risks around that? So, you know, let me come back to you and say, okay, you know, we had a surprisingly high inflation reading. Um, some of that reflects the backward revisions. Should we get worried here that? In, well, we should, how worried should we be about inflation as we look forward for the next six to nine months? What's your take? You've been of the more optimistic side of things. Yeah. Um, so how much do you kind of 
shifting in your thinking? Where do you stand there? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm shifting. I mean, I, it's, it would be wrong to not react to what we're seeing. I mean, geez, that to go from 3% to 4.5%, that's got to change your worldview, right? Um, and well, three-month totally, run rate is a three-month run rate. Is I, a three yeah, month run right. Rate. So as I was going to say, I totally agree with what you said, which is you don't want to overestimate the, the, the January number. Uh, but still, you know, it felt like things were running around 3% and maybe going to fall below 3%, which was a real kind of, uh, you know, notch for the team transitory view of the world and that, hey, maybe even a soft landing might be possible here. And now it's just looking like you're, you're seeing inflation that's getting stuck. And that stickiness of inflation, and I kept viewing this through the lens of the profit cycle, was really a reflection of firms that are going to feel the pressure on their, their profitability, their profit margins in a world where wage inflation was running high, and feel the pricing power to pass that on. Right? What, what's crucial for the soft landing scenario is that corporates last year with rising prices really didn't have as, you know, that, that pricing power was going to be transitory. And as we move to this year, they weren't going to have as much of that. If, in fact, they do have pricing power, they are passing on prices a lot more effectively. Well, then watch out. The Fed, such central banks are going to step in and, and slam the brakes on. And well, that's, uh, I think that risk has gone up a lot. Well, let's, let's kind of get into that just a touch more. Uh, I think, you know, you're right that there's a forward-looking piece of that, which is to say where pricing power might be three, six, nine months from now. And that, I think, is importantly also linked to the fact that, you know, one of the big surprises we're getting at the start of the year, and it's not just a U.S. story, is we had thought labor markets would be softening here. And I can't, yeah. think, of, I can't think of a country, an advanced country, that labor markets are softening. They all seem to be yeah. continuing to tighten. But the other part, and it's hitting this important dynamic you're describing about corporates is that we've now raised our um, Q1 US GDP forecast from one to 2%. We've come in uh, and as you know, the numbers printed, we found out that Q4 was a lot stronger than, than had been expected, um, at least as, as of two or three months ago, the numbers were coming in and we were revising up. Uh, we've got somewhat higher pricing. So now we've got a US economy, which in Q4 and Q1, has nominal GDP growth running 6% annualized. That's a pretty okay place for corporates to be, even with relatively sticky uh, labor costs. So it's not, it's not like we're really seeing that kind of pressure and stress uh, come on, on them. And as you're saying, um, in addition to not being a source of pressure to pull back hard now, it's also a message that maybe there's enough underlying resilience here that their pricing power could be firm uh, looking oh, forward. And that's the key distinction, right, Bruce? Because I kind of wanted, and, I, and I'm talking with my team transitory soft landing hat on. You don't right want to now. take that, keep that hat off your head. Yeah, I'll keep it on for the sake of our <laughs> argument. Like what I had wanted was, yes, um, you know, nominal income growth, but driven more by the real side and less by the pricing side. And, and I think what we're seeing is pricing is holding up, right? Because you can have that real revenue generation in a world where margins are contracting and then corporates right. are okay because profits hold up relatively well in that environment, but it really comes down to the price side of things, doesn't it, right? I mean, if pricing power is there and that's where they're getting their, their profits from is by actually keeping that margin protected, passing on those labor costs, then I think things are gonna, that's a shaky foundation to build an expansion because the Fed won't allow that to stand. Well, I think, you, I think you're right, but you're 
you're moving a little ahead from where I want to be because I think yeah. what you're oh, you've already done is you've kind of ruled out the near-term recession story. And I think there is a yeah. point here that people who've seen the January data are saying, okay, it's it's just one month. Maybe we're going to have an okay first quarter, but now we're going to just look for the recession to hit in the second quarter. And I do think the underlying um, strength of nominal GDP from a point of view of corporates makes it just hard to see that um, that break, not just in January, February, but even you know moving out three or four months. Then once you accept as you're as you're doing that you're not getting that break, then the dynamic of do you follow a soft landing or are you on an unsustainable path because companies have too much pricing power, inflation stays high, um, and the Fed has to act, that that kicks in. But don't lose that first point, because I think even though you and I have probably already uh, internalized it, I think it's still uh, part of the uh, the the debate here. But now- Yeah, and well, I, I can add one thing to, to counter that if you're, you're really in the, the bearish camp on the near term. <laughs> it's worth noting uh, and neither you or I are there, and we've pushed back. And I, you know, I think we've been right to do that, and it, the data is bearing that out right now. But there's one last thing for the bearish view to uh, hang their head on, it. and it's interesting to know capex is stalling, right? I mean, business equipment spending, all the capital indicators uh, is, is looking, capital spending indicators are looking relatively soft. Our capex now, Caster, looks like a complete stall in business investment after a year in which it was like. Teflon, it just did not really give up much ground. And, and you even saw that borne out in the, in the actual data, right? I mean, CapEx in the fourth quarter in the US was shockingly strong. And now it looks like that might be coming off. It's, it's monthly. So let me, let, perfect, me transition, let me transition to, to what I think is an important uh, uh, subplot of this story. It's not necessarily the center story, but it's pretty important, which is for all of this that we're talking about, upside surprises, all of this we're talking about resiliency in the global economy. Gold manufacturing is in crappy place. It's contracting. It's had a hard move down at the end of last year. So like what do we make of that? And 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 what happens next if we're on this path where we're not doing boomy growth, but we're still expanding in the US and China's rebounding, Europe's doing okay. How do we put yeah. all that together? Yeah, you're you're right, and that that I focused on the capex part of it, but you're 100 right. That is a is a, is a soft spot. The good sector looks pretty. It's more than deep. soft. It's yeah, it's exactly. in pretty crappy shape here. Yeah, I Contract. mean, global industry looks to have contracted seven percent annualized in the three months through December. That is very that is very weak. Now, in some sense, it's been a slow motion train wreck, right? Because we saw this flagged in our global PMIs and, hey, you know, PMIs did a great job, right? Stand by your PMIs. Well, uh, they're supposed it, to be coincident. They're a little slow in that one, but well, okay, I'll give it. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll take it if it's leading. I'll even more to like <laughs> it, right? Because they've been flagging this downshift for about four or five months and it finally happened. And so things look very weak. I feel like some of it was maybe a bit of an inventory adjustment, but the worrying part comes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is CapEx is, is stalling towards year end. And the consumer, as you pointed out, was actually quite weak before this January bounce we got in the US. And we only know the US at this point. Uh, but things through the fourth quarter were pretty darn weak on good spending. So there was a sense that maybe things were starting to break in the good sector. Now, the good news, where do we go from here, you ask, is that it's early, but the, the PMIs, which we just got through saying, actually, we should stand by them, 
um, actually started to move up. They ticked up in December. This is the manufacturing output PMI. Ticked up in December, uh, made a, another nice move up in January. And if we're right, next week's flash PMIs. Drum roll. What's <laughs> next week's? Show a pretty, pretty good move. I mean, if you believe our, our country economist forecasts, uh, we're talking about a, what, a point, maybe a point and a half. Up on well, I think a point market. two is the forecast on the output PMI for something yeah, like that. So that will really, again, the levels are still low, so it's nothing to, to kind of, you know, you know, really get too excited about. But the direction, the momentum lift in that is uh, is encouraging. And what would, be, what would be really nice is if we got the details that we're looking for. So we had yeah. this big, we've already had for the last two months a pretty decent drop in the inventory component and a modest move up in the orders component. If we get that further momentum, that's going to even reinforce this story that absolutely. Hey, absolutely. there's been a, a good a good part of the weakness was inventory correction, demand was weak, but it wasn't as weak as production, and demand is starting to pick up, and that will have some lever on the production side into the spring, which actually I think is interesting in the coming back to the inflation side. I think one of the things in people's thinking on inflation in the last few months is that okay, goods pricing had come off that's done you can count on that staying in place and then we just watch what's happening to shelter cost services which are lagging but there's an interesting dynamic if you do get that pickup in global industry um you know is the goods pricing story gonna flatten out start to 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 turn perhaps even a little bit back up here quicker than uh people expect i think it's too early to, to make any kind of strong judgment on that but if china is actually going to be booming and let's assume the dollar is not going to take another big leg up it, it, it might who knows here we'll we'll see then that that becomes an interesting element in the uh the outlook for the next three to six months but that call for next week on the pmi i think is a pretty important one it'll certainly give us a lot more confidence in the view that manufacturing is going to turn here yeah let me just add to that inflation point on the good side i mean you, you know you and i put out a, a piece on on prices last week looking at this. And I felt like we were expressing a fairly strong view that there was still more disinflation coming in the goods sector. I, I think I still stand by that view unless something radically changed on the goods side. But uh, in terms of goods demand, really you know, blowing up here. But I think there's just more disinflation process there. Some of it is bottleneck pressures, which really have not fully corrected yet and are still correcting. Uh, and so I think that's there. The bigger side is is on the on the service side, where those are, prices are going to be a bit stickier. And frankly, I think the service demand is what's been holding us up through this soft patch in the goods sector, and that will continue as we move. I mean, I'm I'm comfortable with what you're saying. If we're saying global, I think in the U.S., with the dollar strength of last year likely to fade, uh, with used car prices which have continued to move down likely to flatten. You know, we've been running in in clear negative territory on core goods Boy, inflation. Those auto prices are still like ridiculously elevated. I, I right, I don't know but just look at what Mannheim is doing, and you know, I've got yeah, to you got to respect that indicator. I'm not going to sit here and you know art uh, you know get into a big well, conceptual you're respecting conversation. The, the momentum turn. Don't you also respect the fact that it's just oddly elevated from where it was? Don't respect that at all. <laughs> You're going to uh, pick the part you want to respect. Okay. No, I'm going to just say those levels, I don't think, give me a lot of uh, forecasting uh, leverage. But let's yeah. let's leave that. We don't want to get – this will take us down a rabbit hole. We don't want to yeah. go. Let's, let's just end on the 
you know, one of the questions which I think is really interesting here, you started to talk about it up front, but let's bring it back to the conversation, is central banks may not have the uh, data support to think about a pause here. Um, so the question is how does that feed into global markets, financial conditions more generally? And I think this is a really interesting part of the call, because I do think if you're watching central banks continue to lean here and moving incrementally at 25 basis point clips, you know, we might be in a position where there still is this, hey, we can search for a, a resting point, we can maybe find a soft landing, especially if we are getting further uh, evidence of inflation moving lower. Um, but A, that's still that's not certain by any means. And B, if the Fed would think about doing 50 in March, boy, that would disrupt the uh, that apple card in a in a pretty in a pretty big way. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would. I'm, I'm reminded of what was beat into me in my years at the at the board, which was, you know, never you, just as you don't underreact to data, you should never overreact to data. And I think the Fed has been telling a fairly consistent message, which certainly leaned in the hawkish direction and definitely hawkish relative to what markets were expecting. And, you know, I think we were listening to them. I think the markets weren't listening to them. But, you know, we, our job is to get excited about these week to week moves. The Fed's job is to kind of steady things out. I think the Fed's been telling consistent message that they're going to continue to hike here and they're going to stay, you know, on hold at a high level once they get there for much longer than the, than the markets are thinking. And I think the Fed can very easily just look at this data and say, see, we told you so. I think that what you're you're raising and, and, and you're right is that, hey, maybe this might nudge them to have to do more. That's the, the probability of this pause is not enough scenario, which is getting a little more weight. Has it moved above the 50 percentile range? Is it now our modal view? Probably not. Uh, and so, and then moreover, no, not at all, not at all. And that doesn't mean they would go 50 or just do more 25s, which is, I would think more 25s. And, and by the way, let, you know, guidance can certainly be your first tool to say, Hey, we might do more 25s here rather than coming out and shocking you with a, with a 50. So well, I'm, I'm comfortable with that, that view. It starts to feed into this boiling the frog scenario, but yeah. I do worry that if we come in and get another set of strong data in February, the debate is going to um, switch here. And I'm not as yeah, I mean, it's worth the It's definitely an important question. Like what what would it take to get them to do 50? And would uh, would a four tenths core plus uh, a two fifty payrolls? Is that enough or is that kind of on the margin and anything above that would get them? I, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Do you have a I don't know, but I would say those are not by any means uh, outcomes that I would think are low probability that you just said. Right. So that's my that's that's why I'm trying to keep this part of the conversation open. It's not my call. It's not Mike's call. It's not your call, but mm -hmm. it is something we should be sensitive to. And I think we should be sensitive to because it it's an important, I think, uh, issue. If they do break and go back to 50s, that is a huge signal, I think, in a negative way. Uh, and it would definitely, I think, uh, speed up the 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 swing towards uh, concerns that we are having a Fed that's no longer being friendly to us. And you know, Fed is moving against uh, growth and, and and inflation, but it's still not actively trying to, you know, create a recession. And if you start to go back to fifties, that I think is a very different uh, dynamic. But let's leave it here. Um, we scared people enough um, for for one call. 
And uh, thanks everyone for listening and hope we can continue the conversation next week on JP Morgan TV.